We're going to look at Luke chapter number 2. And here's the message I want to preach this morning, it's, or excuse me, this evening. And of course it goes hand in hand with what's going to take place here in just a few minutes. I wanted to talk about, this is the idea, or this is the topic tonight, or the subject, or I should say the title, I guess, tonight. It's the idea of Christmas and communion. Christmas and communion. And uh, talking about this as we partake of the Lord's table this evening. And I want us to notice tonight that Christmas and communion have a common thought. And I hope this will be something that will be an encouragement to you tonight, right before we partake of the Lord's table. Christmas and communion, and how they have a common thought together. And here's the common thought, or I guess the common word that we could say that go together with both of these, Christmas and communion. And it's the word or the thought of giving. The thought of giving. Christmas season, I, I talked about it already today, how that Christmas is a season for giving. Isn't it a blessing when you get to uh, give uh, gifts uh, to one another? Uh, my, my wife and I often joke around about a time, at least maybe I'm joking about it, I don't know. But we think back to several years, there was a time, I guess it was earlier in our marriage, and we had kind of made a decision that we uh, were going to kind of not, not, not so much concentrate on buying gifts for one another, but kind of work more and maybe just giving to others that were around us that year. And uh, we both talked about how that when it came time for us to give out the gifts, we kind of wished we would have got something for each other. It was kind of tough. It's like you're just so used to at this time of year just giving something to somebody, aren't you? Giving something to somebody you love. And so it reminds us this season of giving, how we have opportunities to give to one another. But then in this season of giving, it reminds us of what the Lord Jesus Christ gave for us. And then as we partake of the Lord's table, as we'll have our communion service tonight, it certainly reminds us of giving, doesn't it? Because it reminds us of what the Lord gave to us. And so I want to give you a couple thoughts by way of introduction. And then I have two thoughts that I want to give you, I guess, in the main uh, challenge of the message tonight. First of all, I think about this when we think about Christmas and communion together and with this topic or this idea of giving. God, He is the greatest giver, isn't He? He is the greatest giver. I think about it, and we'll go through a couple verses here for a moment. Uh, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 15, it says, uh, it says, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. Think about that. The Bible describes the gift that God gave to us as being an unspeakable gift. That would be a gift that would be undescribable. We would not even be able to put it in words. As we just sang that song a minute ago, Born to Die, it just gives to us the idea of how that gift really was unspeakable. It's hard to describe what Jesus was willing to do, leaving heaven to come to this earth and die for us. Now we're here in Luke chapter number 2. Let's think about this gift that Jesus gave to us at Christmas time. Notice what the Bible says here in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11. For it says, for unto us is born this day in the city of David. What did God give to us? He's the greatest giver of all. And what did he give to us? It says a Savior, a Savior. Remember that Bible verse that says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. That one of those unspeakable gifts that we can think about that, the whole, that, the, the, that our uh, almighty God gives to us, the creator God gives to us, is this gift of a Savior. And it says in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11, which is Christ the Lord. So thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. He's the greatest giver. And he gave to us a Savior, didn't he? The Bible tells us in 
the very beginning of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read that for a moment. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says that He gave to every one of us life. He's the greatest giver. He gave to us His unspeakable gift. He gave to us His Savior, our Savior. He gave to us our life. The Bible says in in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and sometime later there in scripture in uh, Matthew chapter uh, I'm sorry in Genesis chapter number 2 down in verse number 20 the bible says uh, that uh, in in verse number 21 I'm sorry it says and the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took of one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the lord god had taken from Adam made he a woman And brought her unto the man. He gave to us life, didn't he? We read in Genesis chapter 2 of how he created man. We read how he created woman. In the chapter before that, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27, the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he he him. Male and female created he them. The Bible's trying to tell us this, that God gave to us life, didn't he? He gives us the breath that we take, right? Right? He gives us the beating of our heart every day. He sustains us and keeps us going and gives us the health and the strength that we need. For some of you that are sitting there, to, that are sitting here tonight that have just recently gone through some challenges with some sicknesses because it's been a lot of us, hasn't it? A lot of us gone through some challenges with some sickness. Aren't you glad that that sickness doesn't last forever? But, the, but God's able to sustain us. He's able to keep us moving. Why? Because He's given us life. And the Bible says in the book of Psalm that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. Who are we made by? We're made by God. He's created all things and by Him all things consist. The Bible says in the book of Colossians. So He has given us His unspeakable gift. The Bible talks about how He's given us a Savior. The Bible talks about how He has given us life. And by the way, that's why we feel that every life is so important. And when we talk about the human life that God has given, that's his most special creation, isn't it? Because we were born with that soul. We were created with that soul and that spirit inside of our body. And so that we have the ability to make a choice, an ability to have a relationship with Almighty God. And so he's given us to this, this life, but he's also given us his son, hasn't he? Remember, he is, the, he is the greatest gift giver. Have you ever had one of those times where you just say, man, I got the perfect gift for whoever it is? Man, I mean, this is the perfect gift. This is the one that they don't have yet. How many of you have that person you're buying for where you say they got everything? They got everything. What in the world am I going to get for them? They've got everything. But then you finally come up with an idea. Oh, I've got a perfect gift. Now, this is the greatest gift, but the greatest gift giver that we could ever read about is God, right? He's given us that unspeakable gift of his Savior. He's given us that unspeakable gift of life. He gave his son, didn't he? The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world that He gave, right? He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then turn back with me, if you would, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse number 17. And this is a verse I bring up a lot because it's, a, I guess, a powerful thought about what the Lord has done for us. So look at James chapter 1 and verse number 17. The Bible says this in James 1 Verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, it uses the word every there, right? Every good gift. So every good thing you have from the Lord, or every good thing, you, good thing that you have is from the Lord, right? And every perfect gift that you would say you have from, that you have is from the Lord. It says, uh, it's from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, 
with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We serve a God who is the greatest giver, and He has given to us all good things, right? Remember, there's a verse in the book of Romans that says, If He was willing to spare not His own Son, if He was willing to give His own Son, why would we not then, and I'm paraphrasing this verse now, but why would we not then think that God is not able to give to His children all of the good gifts that they need. He's going to take care of his children, isn't he? If he spared not his own son, he was willing to give his own son for us. The Bible says that all good, all the good gifts and all the perfect gifts are from above, from the greatest gift giver, right? And you know the Bible talks about how that when we are, and we mentioned it this morning, when we are faithful to him, he is faithful in giving to us and providing blessings for us. The Bible talks about that all throughout scripture, right? The Bible talks in the book of Malachi how if we will financially give to the Lord, we'll give of our tithes and offerings. He said, won't I open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you're not even able to hold on to? You're not even able to receive it all. That's how much I want to give to you as you are faithful to me. And then the Bible says in the book of Luke, give and it shall be given unto you. He describes how, how much of a blessing he's going to be to us as we've been faithful to him. He says, good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Here's what God's trying to say. If you will be faithful to me, I will always in turn be faithful to you, and I'll give you blessings so much you will not be able to even hold on to all of the blessings that God has in store for you. Now, we understand that doesn't always mean financially, right? We know that there are some things that God has given to us that are blessings that money cannot buy. God's able to give blessings. Why? Because He is the greatest gift giver. Well, communion reminds us of what it cost for, to, for us to receive the greatest gift of all. You say, well, wait a minute. You talked about all these wonderful gifts that the Lord has given to us and there's still a great gift that has not even been brought up yet? Well, let's think about what the Bible says in the book of Romans. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, what is it? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, the Bible says we, are, we have a waiting for us. If we've trusted Him as our Savior, we have a waiting for us the gift of eternal life. Thanks be to God. For his unspeakable gift, the Savior that he gave us, his Son that he was willing to give to us as the Savior, how he's given to every one of us life, he's given us all good things, and then he's given to us eternal life. And communion, when we partake of communion, it reminds us of what it cost Jesus so that we could receive this greatest gift. Think about what the Bible says. We just quoted Romans 6 verse 23 where it says the gift of God is eternal life. But think about what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. It says it's starting in verse number 8. It says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. So what is the greatest gift that we could say God has given to us is he's given us his son and he's given us great, he's given us all good things and he's given to us life. But the Bible tells us he gives us the gift of salvation. He gives to us the gift of eternal life, nothing that we have to work for. But I will say this, tonight as we partake of the, of the Lord's table, as we have our communion service, it's going to remind us of what it cost 
for us to be able to have this special gift of salvation, this special gift of eternal life that the Lord gave for you and for me. Now, only those who have received this gift are to partake of the communion service. So those who have received the gift of eternal life, those who have received the gift of salvation, those are the ones that tonight will partake of the Lord's table. And we will be reminded of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Because the Bible says all throughout the scripture, as we talk about the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the communion service, it reminds us that we are doing this in remembrance, right? We are doing it to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ, what Christ gave to pay the price for our sins. We do it in remembrance. There are two ordinances in the local church. We know that the Bible has talked about in the ordinance of, of baptism. Uh, we're, we're to, in, in the local church, in the local New Testament church, we're to see people saved and then see people follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Now, what does baptism do? Baptism allows us to remember what Jesus did for us, right? We're following Him in that step of obedience. We're identifying the, with the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, we're following His example as well. But we're reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us when that baptismal candidate goes under the water and he's buried under that water, it reminds us of the fact that Jesus died and was buried. And then when that person that's being baptized comes up out of that water, it reminds us of the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. What are we doing when we follow the Lord in that ordinance in the local church? We're remembering what he did for us, right? But then we're also remembering what he did in, in us, aren't we? We're remembering the fact that, remember in the book of Romans, the Bible talks about how that because we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we have died to our old life of sin and we've buried that old life of sin. And now when we come up out of that water, we're identifying or picturing the fact that we are now raised to walk in newness of life. It doesn't mean that water magically took our sins away, but it's just picturing what has already happened. It's an outward expression of what has already taken place inwardly as we are remembering what Christ did for us. Well, the other ordinance that God has established for the local church is the ordinance of the communion service. What are we doing when we partake of the Lord's table? We are remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. It's our way of remembering what Christ had to give to pay the price for our salvation. And there's two thoughts I want to give you tonight by way of the main part of this message tonight. I hope it will be a blessing right, be right before we partake of the Lord's table. We talked about how that Christmas is a season of giving, but communion is a reminder of what was given as well. We're going to put these two together. Christmas, a season of giving, when God gave His Son for us, and then communion, a time in which we remember what was given for us. So what was given for us that we're going to remember tonight? What was given? Well, number one, He gave His body, didn't He? He gave His body for us. The Bible says this very clearly in Luke chapter 22. Would you look there for just a moment? In Luke chapter number 22, which is one of the passages of Scripture that we would go to where Jesus is uh, partaking of that last supper with his disciples. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 19, as he is there at that last supper with the disciples, the Bible says he talks about what these Parts of the, these elements of the Lord's table are going to remind us of. Well, the bread reminds us of the fact that he gave his body, right? 
Now look at the way the Bible words this. Would you look at Luke 22 and look down with me if you would at verse 19. Luke 22 and verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it unto them. Now watch the way this is worded. Saying, this is my body which is, what's the next word? Given for you. What is God saying to us here? He's saying, my body was given for you. Just like Christmas is a season of giving, just like we think about the fact that he gave his son for us to come down here to earth, communion reminds us of the fact that his body was given for us, and he said, this do, the end of verse number 19, this do in remembrance of me. The Bible says back in Luke chapter number 2, of course, that's the Christmas story that is outlined for us in the Bible. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus took on this body for us at Christmas. Now, if we're going to talk about his body that was given for us, we need to remember the starting point of this human body for our Savior, right? And the starting point of this human body that was later given for us was when his body was, when he took on this human body at this event, this day that we celebrate called Christmas. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What is the Bible saying happens here in Luke chapter 2 verse 7 that Jesus took on this body for us. So when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating him coming to earth and taking on this body for us. So the everlasting one, that's a title we would give for our Savior, right? He's the everlasting one. Well, the everlasting one left the everlasting glory of heaven and he entered time here on earth in a city called Bethlehem. Now the one who was in the place that had no time and the one who had no time because he was the everlasting one, he took on time when he took on this body and he came down here to earth in the city of Bethlehem. The omnipresent one. So not only is he the everlasting one, but he's also the omnipresent one, which means he is present everywhere at all times. But he limited himself to a body, which means that he could not at that moment be everywhere at one time because when he took on that body, he limited himself to a body. Now, a couple uh, week, weeks back, I guess it'd be last week in the morning service, we took you to the book of Philippians. Let's go there for one more time here this evening. Philippians chapter 2 because this is when the Bible tells us that God became man. He became human flesh for us. And he gave himself, take, taking on human flesh, gave himself for us at Christmas so that he could eventually give himself on the cross what we are going to celebrate as we partake of the Lord's table tonight. So we're here in Philippians chapter 2 and starting in verse number 5, the Bible talks about how he took on that human flesh for us. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That word robbery, we talked about it last Sunday morning. That word robbery has the idea of the fact that he was willing to let go. He, he didn't have to hold on to his position in heaven. He was willing to let go. Remember we talked about how that, that showed his humbleness, right? That he was willing to let go from, the, from his position in the glories of heaven willingly letting go of it, didn't have to hold on to it, and became human flesh for us. Look at the next verse, verse number 7. 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, the Bible says. So at Christmas, we are celebrating him taking on a body, aren't we? All right, so let's think about this for a second. At Christmas, we are celebrating him taking on a body. But in communion, we are celebrating him giving his body, aren't we? See, at Christmas, he took on a body. But in, in our communion service a little bit later on tonight, we're going to celebrate and be reminded of the fact that he gave his body. Now, let's remind ourselves of this in the book of Hebrews. Look at some very, very important verses here. Look at Hebrews chapter number 10. When we're reading these verses, may it remind us of Jesus taking on this human body for us. Hebrews chapter 10, and look at verse number 10 for a moment. Oh, would you notice the truths in these verses tonight? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 10, when I was studying and preparing this message for tonight, I was excited just reading through these verses. I mean, look at this. Look at the power of these verses. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says this. By the which will we are sanctified. Now watch this now. We are sanctified through the offering of the what? The body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hey, listen, how do you, how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Because God, because Jesus was willing to sacrifice his body, right? He was willing to give his body. And so the Bible says there very clearly in verse number 10 that we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ and he did it once for all. Now as much as we love one another, as much as we might be willing to say I'd volunteer to take my life for certain individuals, if my life was taken and my body was broken and my blood was shed, it wouldn't be of any value when it comes to your eternal life. But the body that Jesus gave, that human body that he took on, so that he could willingly give it for us. That is what leads to and gives us our salvation as we've trusted in him and we've received that gift of eternal life. Now, would you look down at verse 14? Same chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, and look at what the Bible says in verse number 14. For by one offering. Now, isn't it great that he only had to offer himself once? It's not that he, there's no, there's no reason for him to go back to the cross, right? He offered himself once. The Bible says in verse 14, For by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. What is the Bible saying? The Bible saying that work was completed with that one offering that he gave. Now what is that offering that the Bible is speaking of? It's the offering of his body, right? He was willing to give his body for you and for me. He offered it one time for the sins of all mankind. Doesn't have to go back onto that cross, but he offered it once for all so that we could have eternal life through the body that was offered for us. So here's the idea. At Christmas, we celebrate him taking on that body. In the communion time, we celebrate him giving his body. At Christmas, we consider the Christ of the manger. But during the communion service tonight, we're going to get to consider the Christ of the cross, aren't we? The fact that he was willing to give his body for us. So number one, he gave his body. But the last thought tonight is this. He also gave his blood, didn't he? He gave his body, but he gave his blood. Now remember, we're comparing Christmas and communion. Christmas is that season of giving. He was willing to, again, come and give. God was willing to give his son to come here in human flesh. 
so that he could take on a body, so that later he could give that body. He gave of that body, but he also gave his blood as well. Turn with me back to that passage of Scripture we were reading about when the Lord had his last supper there, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, and let's look at what the Bible says in verse number 20. Luke chapter 22, we already read verse 19. Now let's move on to verse number 20. Luke 22 and verse number 20. The Bible says this, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, I want, I want to take you to the parallel passage of Scripture in one of the other Gospels. And I want you to notice how this is worded in the Gospel of Matthew. Would you? Because this is powerful. Would you go to Matthew for just a moment, Matthew 26, and let's notice how the Bible words this in Matthew 26. And look with me, if you would, in verse number 28. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 28. Same thought here. We've got the Lord's, uh, the last supper he has with his disciples. And the Lord's supper is being instituted as well. Well, look at verse number 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament. Now, here's where it gets good. Watch this now. Which is shed for many. Which is shed for many. Now, we understand that he is not meaning in this verse. We don't want to take it out of context and say, well, wait a minute. He didn't shed his blood for all. His blood was shed for everyone, right? But we know that not everybody's going to receive it, are they? Not everybody's going to receive the gift of salvation. He's not willing that any should perish. If you come to him, he'll in no wise cast you out. So he wants everybody to be saved. Not everybody will be saved. His blood was shed for all. But he says here as he's partaking of the Lord's uh, table here, or the, or the Last Supper here with his disciples, he said this is blood that was shed for many. But then let's continue on because this goes hand in hand with what we talked about this morning. Remember the message that John the Baptist was preaching? He was preaching repentance. And why was he preaching repentance? Because if you'll repent, there is remission of sins, right? Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. What's the reason why Jesus' blood was going to be given? His blood was going to be given so that those that would repent, those that would turn to him, those that would ask for forgiveness and believe in Him and trust in Him as their Savior could be given eternal life, could receive forgiveness. What did Jesus give? He gave that we'll celebrate tonight in the Lord's table. He gave of His body, but He gave of His blood. Can we talk about His blood for just a few moments? Would you look at Hebrews chapter 9 with me for a moment? Hebrews chapter 9. We were in Hebrews chapter 10 a moment ago and we were talking about His body that He offered for us. But now let's see what the Bible says about his blood. Hebrews chapter number 9. And look with me if you would. And I hope you'll see this with your eyes now. I hope you'll take the time to look at this. Look at this passage of scripture now. Hebrews chapter 9. And let's start in verse number 12. And then we're going to go down a few verses here. Let's notice what the Bible says. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now these are some powerful gospel verses, aren't they? Powerful verses that describe the gospel here. Here's what the Bible's saying in verse number 12, that the blood of bulls and calves and goats, that will not satisfy the need that the sinner has, right? 
Now, we remember in the Old Testament, that's what they did, right? They offered the sacrifices of animals. And so the blood of those animals would be shed. But what is always true when we study the Old Testament sacrifices, the sacrifice had to be made again, didn't it? And it was over and over and over and over these sacrifices would be made again. Some of them, they were on a more regular basis. Some of them on a yearly basis. But the thought is, the idea is, is that these sacrifices would have to be constantly, the blood would have to be constantly shed because it could only temporarily provide as a sacrifice. But the Bible said that Jesus, the shedding of Jesus' blood was forever, isn't it? That's an everlasting shedding of blood. You think about what the Bible says here in verse number 12, that it says his own blood, he entered in how many times? Once into the holy place. Again, it's the idea when his body was broken for us, he didn't have to give it a second time. He, didn't have to, he doesn't have to shed his blood a second time. He entered in one time. And notice at the end of verse number 12, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, the blood that Jesus shed on that cross was sufficient to eternally redeem us. Man, that's good, isn't it? Now look at verse 13 for a moment. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What is he saying here? Here's exactly what he's saying. He's saying exactly like the hymn writer said, and I think it's hymn number 50 in our songbook. It might not be that exact page. But the words of that song say this, There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. That's what the Bible's trying to say to us here tonight. There is power in the precious blood of the Lamb. The Bible says this. Let's go through a couple scriptures here real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19. The Bible says this. It says, starting in verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says these words. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Tonight, when we partake of the Lord's table again during this season of giving, when we're going to get to give gifts to one another, and then we're going to get to be reminded of the gift that God gave to us, the greatest gift giver, and what he gave to us. Tonight we're going to get to remember the fact that he gave his body and he gave his blood for us. I think you would agree with me when I make this statement. He gave the best, didn't he? He gave the absolute best so that we could have the best. You think about how that we're going to have eternal life because he gave the best for us. We would say this about our Savior, truly, we sang it tonight, truly he was born to die, wasn't he? Born to come to this earth so that his body could be given and his blood could be shed for us. Now, 
Here's the idea tonight. Before we even get into the thoughts of the Lord's table tonight, which we're getting to right now. Now, after we read what God has given to us, spiritually speaking, it's our turn to give, isn't it? It's our turn to give. You know, the Bible talks about how that giving our lives to Jesus is only our reasonable service. It is only right that we would be willing to say, God, if you did all of this for us, it is only right that I would be willing to give my life for you. It kind of reminds me, I don't know why, but in my mind it always makes me go to the story of David. When David was about to fight that giant and nobody else would stand up and David said, is there not a cause? This giant is defying the armies of the living God. There's a reason why he needs to be defeated. And the idea of surrendering our life and giving our life to the Lord, think about all he did for us. There is a reason why we ought to give our all to him. Why don't we tonight give him our hearts and then why don't we give him our lives for his service, for his honor and for his glory. Maybe tonight, I know I say this a lot in my message times, but maybe tonight there's some way in which you know God would have you to serve him and maybe you've yet, surrender, yet to surrender to that. Some way in which you know he wants to use you. Would you just say, it's my reasonable service to just give of my all and my life and my everything to the service of the Lord for all that he has given to me. This is a season of giving. We're going to get to give gifts. We're going to be reminded of the gift he gave us. But then let's remind ourselves tonight of the fact that he gave his body and he gave his blood so that we could have eternal redemption. Again, like we say again, the songwriter said it best. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this evening.